hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Hello, welcome back to Hamster with a Bump Penknife. I'm Lucy and this is Joe. Hello. <laughs> and we are about to talk about episode three of The Visitation. Do you know what? Since we've been talking for like, I don't know, 25 minutes between episodes, I've forgotten how it ended. <laughs> oh, it was quite memorable. The doctor was going to have his head cut off again. Oh, that's right. And seven-year-old Lucy was appalled. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, will you count us in? Okay, so in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. So this is your first title sequence, isn't it? This is like yes. this, the, the Peter Howe kind of meow. Yes, yeah, which is it automatically triggers the sort of, you know, you can feel the adrenaline slightly. It's, it's excitement is coming. Okay, well, we've had many discussions off mic between best and favourite. Okay, mm. what's your favourite title sequence and what's the best title sequence? I don't know what the best one is because they're all kind of the period. Um, I have to admit that the, the one where you see that, like the whole of John Poetry whizzing off <laughs> kind of makes me giggle a bit. And I really don't like the um, redone theme tune that came in midway through Colin Baker's um, run. The Trial of a Time Lord one? possibly yeah. yeah it just kind of it really jarred and i thought oh i've forgotten all about this i really don't like it <laughs> um so this is my favorite one because this is to me this was the first one that i heard and this was you know, this was the excitement was on the way and that was um so the one i like least is probably that one the colin baker um yeah uh -huh. as as far as title sequences go i i mean they kind of they they match again like we were saying last time they match with their period so yeah apart from the John Pertwee looks slightly ridiculous, whizzing off on, <laughs> on the screen. Um, if anyone just... could pop down the the, the time well, vortex, I so, yeah. it's John Pertwee. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Scythe man alert. We haven't got the plague. Oh, that's right. Oh, no, no. We need it. Oh, I've just found an excuse for this cliffhanger. You yes. need the scythe because in a the minute. Scythe. The scythe has to be there. Yes, this is true. The but Android it also doesn't make it. any sense that they might have the plague and people are touching, uh, 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 touching them, manhandling them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I oh, know. You're not going to let this point go, are you, about the plague? No, because I've only just realised it. So, <laughs> so it's buggy me now. Kill them, side man, or you and you die as well. So this is the the presumably the um, the local dignitary. But okay, I, this is one of my issues here. One of them's called Headman, and one of them's yes. called Side Man. Why can't they just be called Toby and John? I don't know. Oh oh oh! Look at Nissa's furniture. Isn't it marvelous? I know it's very. Um... <laughs> this is eighties IKEA for you. Absolutely yes. Do you go in for wicker furniture at all, Lucy? Uh, not in a large way. No, our furniture was, as most people's, was in the in the early eighties, seventies um, furniture. So, in fact, we still, my mum still has the um, the the furniture, the sitting room suite that we had back then, because it was made of. I think it came from. If it didn't come from Habitat, then it was a cheaper version of Habitat. So it was. It's very sturdy and has stood up to many years, and it's still very comfortable. Oh. <laughs> my house is like a hybrid, you know. Um, Oh yeah, mine is. It, mine's full of my grandparents. Um, part of my grandparents' uh, sitting room furniture that they actually used as a drinks cupboard has got my telly on top of it and my DVDs inside. Oh, it. Nice. 
Yeah, because we had a lot of sort of hand-me-downs when we moved in here, yeah. and we bought a lot of new stuff, so it's all kind of rubbing shoulders with each other. Plus, I've got a massive life-size Dalek just to the right of me here as well. Well, as, as one would, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a cut-out. Um, I should, I should every add. Every piece of furniture is covered in knitted characters. So. Oh, <laughs> your knitted characters. Hang on, have you got all the characters from this story? No, goodness, no. Who have you got? No, 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 no I don't mean, I don't mean, uh, sorry, I don't mean the entire cast. I mean the regulars. Yeah. No, just, just the Doctor. Oh, do you think you'll do an Adric one day? I don't know. I mean, the costumes are kind of tricky. Um, so Nissa is now building her whatever it is out of extremely heavy stuff and dragging it around. And and this is the point where it, it starts to kind of lag a little bit. Well, do you remember the sequence in Resolution, the New Year's Day Dalek special, the Jodie Whittaker one, where Lynn was building like the Dalek out of Sheffield Steel and it takes place in about 25 seconds and it's all fast cut edits, dramatic. Yeah. That's what this should be. Well, the, the thing is, it, it's obviously a complicated process and she's she's building it and it's, it's she's making an effort and it's all heavy and it's all complicated stuff. But because there's no, um, the threat is occurring further away. So the android's not there. It's not outside the door waiting to come in while she's frantically doing an A-team on the, the, the you know, the yeah. thing. The android is, is somewhere else. It's in it's in this building with Tegan and the... But imagine the that. Imagine if he was in the TARDIS and she had to get it to a certain room and it's hammering on yeah. the door no. and she's trying yeah. to make it. But it's... But, Again, it's it's this whole thing of what do you do with your when you've got three companions? What what do you do with them? Well, does that mean um, you shouldn't so have three? We've got Tegan is now hypnotised. Is three too many? I don't know. I think it depends how you sort of in inverted commas manage them. Sometimes it works reasonably. There are sort of times in in sort of the first series where you've got Susan and Ian and Barbara. And they kind of you sort of lose track of one of them for a little while, and yeah. then oh, what's happening to so and so? And oh um, yeah, do you remember in like the Aztecs where Susan was well, uh, Caroline Ford's on holiday yeah, just, for two episodes, appears. and she just comes in for like one little scene insert scene, yeah. doesn't she? Yeah, she's she's in danger of being flogged through the streets, but then that doesn't happen. Oh, Adric is super annoying in this scene. He starts he whining, is, but then he start... on the other hand, he's he's you get to see how young he's supposed to be. Because he's meant to be in his early teens, isn't he? I think early to mid teens. Because his elder brother was supposed to be a child as well, or a young person, and and he's just at the end of his tether. He's like, why is he never here? Why isn't he here when we need him? Yeah, but, but just... no, wait, wait, wait. The way you just said that there, that was lovely. He's really like, why isn't he here? Why did never? It's well, really I suppose boring. so. But then I don't know. I mean, I when I was. When, as I keep saying, when I was a child, I didn't understand that some of the characters were supposed to be young with children and others were supposed to be adults or teenagers. But I think he's meant to be quite about 14, possibly right. 15, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh. has had, for, for somebody who lives on a distant planet full of marsh people, quite a sheltered upbringing. So, Actually, do you know what? Thinking all... back, when I was 14, I was a whiny little git as well. So it's fairly but, accurate. So there you go. And, he, and he's just, you know, he's kind of, and I think this as well is sort of the, the old Doctor versus the new Doctor is that he he kind of, in a way, got on a bit better with Tom Baker's Doctor. Yeah, I think Matthew Waterhouse looked up a lot to Tom Baker, so he raises his game quite a bit. 
yeah and and but the way it's written as well so like when they get to um sorry there's an action there's a fight going on and we're talking over the top of it so nothing's happening um but when when they get to Trakan and he's like well Adric what do you make of this and shows him the schematic and he looks at it and so he's he's sort of he's just got to the end got to the end of his rope a bit there's a hilarious line in a minute where the doctor's got a gun he's like i never miss oh i love that. like he's john wayne or something yeah so the the, the doctor and mace while we were rabbiting on about adric has um have um stunned the uh one of the villagers and removed the control bracelet so the other one is um, the, the the head person has gone back out and um, and is about to come up with a wizard wheeze to uh, to deal with their problem, which is torch the place. <laughs> but essentially, okay, in plot terms, mm. this episode is running on the spot because everything that's happening, Nissa building the machine, the android yeah. going out, it's all to delay the Doctor and the Terraleptor having a conversation. So yeah. we can push the plot on again. Yeah. And I don't think it's it's like poor material, but it is just kind no, of a hamster not, on a wheel. It's you not know? as obviously marking time as some episodes are. Um, like in Snake Dance episode three, the Doctor spends the entire um, episode in a, in a prison cell, you know, like just yes. hanging around. But then again, you've got Nisa trying to get him out of there. Um, so... And that spectacular scream of hers at the end of episode three. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. This bit in a minute as well. It's quite a good jump scare, actually, where it's like, oh, well, yes. we're not going to get out of here. Bang! A fist comes through yeah, the wall. Through the wall yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how much of these lines he made up. He just went, I'm going to test this blade on the planking yes. of the wall. <laughs> Um, Adric sat down on one of the beds in the console room a minute ago, I swear. So this has moved one of the beds out into the console room. Has she? I think so. Well, he sat down on something in that console room and it had... Oh, this... right, okay. I didn't see. I mean, she, mo he, she moved the, the thing into into the bedroom. I, don't, I didn't see her moving one of the beds out. So now we're seeing that, that this is not the only one of the pterodactyls. There are two others. They love the way they sort of nod their heads conspiratorially. Yeah. Oh, I, yes, I remember yes. seeing a thing because um, uh, the um, the Doctor Who 1981 Twitter account a, a little while ago they tweeted um, pictures from this from making this and and Michael Melia saying I looked at the other two and thought oh surely I look more pushed than that. <laughs> is that what I look like? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, so now we've got our, our peasants have returned. They're and also are about to hide. The Terraleptors are also a lot in a long line of unfortunate monsters that look like they're smiling broadly all the time. Yeah, but then that's I suppose it's it's kind of a sort of reptile or lizard trait, isn't it? I mean a lot yeah. of those species talk about the crocodiles with gently smiling jaws and things. And and it can be very sinister, but it depends how it's managed That's and true. sometimes it comes off and sometimes it doesn't the funniest is the silurians in warriors of the deep they look like they're having a whale of a time they're so happy <laughs> yeah i watched that for the first time the other day um oh how did you find it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
I had uh, uh, Jason Miller on. Uh, he 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 works in law, you know, and he gave a staggering defence of Warriors of the Deep. <laughs> well, oh. so I'm kind of catching up with things, so I'm I'm encountering. Oh, here comes our Android. I'm encountering Silurians sort of more frequently than people actually would have done in the past, because because I've been kind of whiff, whiffling through them. It's like, oh, Silurians again. Jolly good. Uh. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that Peter Davidson would say, you know. Oh, Silurians, jolly good. Yeah. That, that, okay. So that bit there where he came in, jump scare, mm. grabbed the scythe, the music's like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah. It, that's yeah. terribly effective. Yeah. But I think he should be doing that in the TARDIS right now to add a bit of tension. Well, this is it. This is the thing, isn't it? It's like, she's not sure it'll work. Okay, well, that's fair enough. But then the whole question hasn't been addressed of how they will get the android to the TARDIS to, to blow it to pieces. And do you know what they do? They basically use Adric as bait, don't they? Yeah, it's... yeah, but not deliberately either. <laughs> That's the thing. It's not none of it's deliberate. So, so um, watching it, you're, you might one might be thinking, well, okay, that's fine. I understand that all the equipment is in the TARDIS. Is that thing going to be transported to the android? And if it isn't, how is it going to get there? I question, you know, what the Doctor's got in the TARDIS, because I watched Invasion of Time the other day, and he had all the components of an enormous super weapon in there. He did, yes, as well as an entire Victorian sanatorium, <laughs> so... That's the Mental Hospital Red Hill theme. Jolly good. Okay, so, uh, but this sequence here, this works, even though he's encased in rubber, because you've got yes. two actors, like, going at yes. it with a bit of gravitas. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's like a, like we said again with Axos. Is if the actors are taking it seriously, then you kind of you kind of agree to take it seriously too. Yeah. If they're you know kind of raising their eyebrows a bit at the camera and you know making it, delivering the lines in a slightly comedic way because they know it's ridiculous, then then you don't buy into it. But because I mean, if you if you were a child, you would buy into it automatically because it's the Doctor and it's a monster. Yeah. But as an adult, you kind of you have to make that. You make that deal is like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with this. Oh, look at his little flap on the side. Yeah, gills, I think. Yeah, that's quite effective though. I think, I think when his head's yeah. to that side, and you can just see the yeah. anim animatronic side. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 that was the thing was that the mouth would move and the gills would move. Um, by remote control. But just like, you know, a few years later, come Battlefield, like when they're creating like the Destroyer, like the, yeah. the leaps and bounds that they made. With, oh, like, absolutely. Makeup and yeah. But then they had to do, to get there, this had to come first. So. Well, I don't know. I like the journey of that, though. I like the journey yeah. of the oh, effects. Yeah. And he's and he's saying, well, ah, okay. I can take you anywhere. You can go anywhere you want. I'll just leave this planet. I'll, which is the doctor's the doctor's usual thing is yes, I'll help you, but I'll help you to get away. I'm not going to help you to stay here. I, I still don't know what three teraleptors are going to do with the entire planet. You know, once this plague has done its work, I don't know. Spread themselves out a bit. I suppose. They're going to create like beautiful art galleries and things, aren't they? You know, yes, they go round them by themselves. And, and, and do that sort of white green effect everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, I think they, I think they crashed, and they're trying to make him the best of a bad job. It's a bit extreme, though, isn't it? Like wiping out the entire population. 
Oh, four. Oh, no, there is three. Oh, yeah, because one got shot really at the beginning. Really enough, yes. That's it right. cost, the crash cost the life of all but three of his colleagues, uh, him and Ruth. Like, realistically, yeah, this could be a 45-minute new series episode with the amount of plot that's here. You'd have the opening, like the, the prologue opening, the Doctor doing a bit of mystery. You'd get to this scene a lot quicker, and then you'd have the conclusion in London. And you could happily do that in 45 minutes, I think. Yeah, I'm just I'm just sort of enjoying the serious Doctor here. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Saying that he won't he won't help them and the TARDIS won't help them to wipe out humanity. Lucy, but I... now now we have an example of um, of the restrictions of the costume on Michael Millian, who is is obviously a tall and quite imposing figure, and and Mace, in order to be knocked aside by him, has to go right up to him. <laughs> to be sort of splatted sideways because he can't move his arms. I have watched this story, yeah, a ridiculous amount of times. This is the first time I've ever noticed he's got a fishtail. Yeah, it, it is. And the, 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 the scenery, the, the costume designer, uh, was, was she said, oh, so I, I started to think about tropical fish and I was watching it. I was going, yeah, of course she did. <laughs> so, Why, though? That makes it so cumbersome. I know it, it's really strange and I can completely understand the writer's frustration with the idea that he had in his head turning into. I'm astonished. Sorry. I didn't think I would see anything new in this. Mm. Have I been so like uh, broken by the madness of Dr. Who that a monster with a fishtail goes over my head for 20 years? Well, the other thing is that you're, con you're not looking at it. You're concentrating on the face. And the performances, to be fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're when you're looking at the monster, you're looking at, and particularly with the way it's shot, you're sort of it's it's kind of mostly waist up, isn't it? So you've got the arms which can't move very much because they're inhibited by the cape thing on the back, um, and the face is moving. And the fact that the face is moving is is what's attracting your attention, as well as the sinister voice coming out of it. Why won't he listen to me? Because he's a nit. <laughs> Now, I said to you that I was going to talk uh, a lot about Peter Moffat's direction, and I haven't, mm. so I'm going to do it now. Um, okay. Well, I think, I think for one thing, he's, or every better is, or, uh, every director is always better on location. Like, when they're on location, I feel like they're, they're more imaginative, they can do kind of pacey work. With film cameras, there's more opportunities. Mm. Um, I think Peter Moffat is an underrated director, and I don't think that's a popular opinion. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sort of, because I'm coming in kind of late on in the life of, of Doctor Who opinions um, and sort of largely forming my own, which I, being sort of an older person, I'm now able to do with more confidence than I might have done when I was younger. Excuse me. Um, excuse you know. me. I wish to object for a second to the word older person. Continue. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when I was a child and, and I've heard other people say this as well, you would see something and it would say, oh, this is rubbish. Nobody likes that. And I do have a certain sort of contrary streak, which makes me want to say, you know, there are certain people that you talk to and suddenly you find they say they don't like something and you suddenly you find yourself wanting to defend it, even if you don't uh, like it as well. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like I, I have a bit a part of me is very like that. And so I would I would say I like something even if I didn't like it or I would try and find a reason to like it, even if I didn't like it. But I think that. Possibly with, with this one stupid machine boot, um, it's it does the pace does drop when she's building the machine, 
and there are parts of it where yeah you can say it's 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 running on the spot it's marking time but Hey, what, but, what can you do with that? Like, like it's yeah, not in the script. I know. You, you do with what the material that you've got, and and the the, the atmosphere of the um, the inside scene. Actually, the atmosphere of the interior scenes in the house and in the cellar where he is now. Fantastic. It's very convincing. Oh, look, he's got and his cloak I, on. Also, <laughs> I I I would defend um, state of decay <laughs> to, to anybody. Because I think State of Decay is fabulous, and that's not just because I have a weakness for, you know, performances like Henry's James' performance in that, where he went completely bonkers. Do you remember when he goes up to Adric and he's like, "Come, let's drink for what don't you want?" I've got, I've actually got that on DVD as well, and I watched the extras on that. And one of the the man who played the sort of again the head man of the village. Um, although State of Decay does suffer for its wigs and beards, I'm afraid. But at least it gives it gives them a bloody name, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it, it but the, the the you know the main the headband of the village was saying because he he um, is Welsh as well, is an actor, and he said, I saw him and I thought you'll never get away with that with doing it like that. But put the costume and makeup on him. Yeah, it was absolutely That's right. Brilliant. I think I think um, what's his name? Not Zargo, not Camilla Orcon. There we go. Yeah, he's a terrific villain. Yeah, but oh. think about some of the some of the sequences in Peter Moffat's stories. Oh, hmm. we're losing the sonic screwdriver here. Oh, there it goes. You know, Eric Sword figured that there were spares in the TARDIS and that that it would just be in the next story. He just didn't want it in this one. Oh yeah, I, but then I've also heard people say that they just wanted to get rid of it. Not completely, presumably, but just get rid of it for a bit. Well, it's but like see... it's like having K nine, isn't it? They didn't want these sort of catch all solutions to the stories. Well, just make it back into a. I mean, it just it got more complicated and capable of more things, didn't it? As time went on. I mean, there's potential that had K nine and the sonic screwdriver still be around, maybe at the end of Earthshock, Adric might not have died. This is true. But then K9 might have got blown up and that would have been dreadful. Oh, God, um, that would break my heart. Imagine that. If, if it's him going, now I'll never know if I was right. <laughs> he, he, he was right because he was K9, of course he would. Oh. So now we hear the dastardly plan. Actually, um, really, the it sounds kind of lame to say, oh, they're going to let them loose in London and then everybody in the world will die. But consider how the plague spread itself. It came yeah. from, it came through the ports. Um, nobody knew how it was spread. To start with, nobody knew how it was spread. And it spread a wide distance just in, without any alien interference. And, and this is, you know, somebody inventing an even more terrifying plague and giving it a push. Yes. Yeah. So it, it had already, the original plague had already spread through trade routes and all over. So the chances of, although people had eventually sort of got wise to how it was to how it had, like in Eam where they realized it had come with the delivery of plot but the chances of the new plague which is more virulent also spreading through the same way is it's less unlikely than it sounds really I think my problem with this is I wish we'd got to London quicker not because not just because it's visually stunning mm. But I just think it would have been a more interesting location. I think we could have got there like sort of now, yeah, and had the whole last episode in London. Yeah, budgetary constraints, though. Oh, I'm sorry, Janet Fielding does not convince me as possessed there. 
<laughs> Which is a shame because in Kinder she convinced me completely. Yes. Oh yeah. But there she just looks like she's a bit tired. So is this an effective cliffhanger? I mean, I suppose it is. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think when I first watched this, so I was quite young, uh, but it's sort of late, later than you, I was in my sort of yeah. early teens. Um, and any cliffhanger, I just loved all the cliffhangers. Like yeah. it's only it's only yeah, in later it's, life it's, where I've come to sort of rank them, you know. In in kind of, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not criticising um, the newer series of, of Doctor Who for not having the same structure, but I I'm kind of that's what I'm used to. Yeah. So. I, you know, I grew up in a way watching programs that was that were relatively short episodes um, and spread over a number of weeks. So although at the moment I've been kind of you know binging the whole the whole lot, the war game took an awfully long time. Um, okay. <laughs> but but it it just it it was the way that it was. It was the structure of it. So I, I'm sort of expecting these kind of peaks of tension in, and I, I don't. I don't agree that they're pointless in a narrative because if you're reading a novel, you want something at the end of a chapter that's yeah. going to make you turn the page and read the next one. Or even, and I used to find I, I wanted the end of a chapter because that's where I was going to pause and then I'll come yeah. back to it later. So like with, with a story that you're watching on DVD to have like the yeah. end of episode one, okay, that's fine. I can stop there because it, yeah. it's weird in the middle of a new series episode to go all right well I'll, I'll stop it there in the middle of that episode mm. like you you want to watch that through aren't you mm. oh, 